The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Your trusted source for news and analysis about Chicago White Sox prospects and player development, covering the Major League Baseball draft and international market, plus the action in Kannapolis, Winston-Salem, Birmingham, and Charlotte. This is the Future Sox Podcast with your hosts, Mike Rankin and James Fox. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Sox Podcast, and I say another because we've been doing this for quite a while. However, I will say this is the first time that we're able to do this on a new platform, if you haven't heard, we have merged with Sox Machine. Jim Margulis, Josh Nelson, we are now part of SoxMachine.com. Go to SoxMachine.com forward slash FutureSocks or just type in FutureSocks.com and it'll take you right to our page. should also mention that the Future Sox podcast is now going to drop weekly. That's right. Every Tuesday here on the Blue Wire Network. Thanks to Sox Machine for getting us set up with Blue Wire. James Fox, by the way, joining us been our partner from the get-go. We've done over two years worth of content on this podcast. It's crazy to say that out loud, James, but what a time. I think this has been so far so good in terms of our transition. A lot of expectations for us, a lot of expectations for them. And in terms of the content, boy, I woke up, texted you yesterday and I said, oh my gosh, look at everything that we have out today. There's so much content. I'm really excited about this. And uh, so far, I think the early returns have been all positive. Yeah, I think so. It's good to be back, obviously. Looking forward to doing this. Um, the website, yeah, it's loaded um, with content. I think it helps that, you know, the minor leagues have started. Obviously, Charlotte started sooner, but the other full season affiliates are uh, are going, and there's been some interesting stuff so far, I think, that's uh, happened with White Sox affiliates. So give us a follow on Twitter, at Future Sox. James is at JamesFox917, right? Did I get that one right? That's right, yep. I always have to ask you because I forget, even though you're all over my timeline. I'm at Rankin906, and of course, follow our guys at Sox Machine as well. So we're going to talk about top 30. We, we dropped our top 30 list in the preseason 2022 before our merger, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it on the podcast. There's also a lot of movement within the organization that we'd like to touch on. Uh, a number of prospects that are no longer with the organization and also some storylines that we have in mind. So we'll get to that first. But of course, I want to mention, if you haven't been subscribed to our Patreon, go to Sox Machine and subscribe to the Patreon over there because now 
Socks Machine and Future Socks are together in promoting content on that Patreon site. So if you can, and if you are willing and you are able, please consider supporting us. It really does help us get to that next level. I mean, you already see it. The, the content continues to flow, and we continue to grow as content creators. So we, can, we cannot do it without you. Thank you so much for those who have already been supporting us and those who would like to support us. We appreciate it. So let's get into it, James. A lot to get to, obviously. First and foremost, I want to touch on some of the early moves that the White Sox made just prior to the start of the 2022 season. I know we are really excited, and the highlight is the Adam Pollock acquisition in exchange for Craig Kimbrell. However, a couple of minor moves. McKinley Moore, reliever, traded for Adam Hazley. Former first-round pick in Hazley. Didn't really come together in Philadelphia. However, the White Sox found him as considerable depth for AAA at the moment, but also to big league experience. He can fill in in a pinch. Just right there, what are the White Sox losing in McKinley Moore, to your knowledge? So we had McKinley Moore on our on our Just Missed. You know, we talked about him in the top 30. Some other publications actually ranked him in the top 30. You know, he, he throws really hard. He was a reliever only, definitely taken out of Arkansas Little Rock like a couple years back on early day three, like round 14, something along those lines. You know, I had kind of heard more more thrower than pitcher at this point still, but but really good stuff. Lots of strikeouts, lots of walks. Uh, he's he's really like a mountain of a of a human. He's very tall. So, you know, Phil, Philly's taking a flyer on a reliever that, you know, if if he gets it together, like it's a it's probably a big league arm. You know, and I think the White Sox just he was going to need to be protected for rule five this coming December. Um, they, they probably just like, weren't going to do that. They thought it was a good swap for a guy in Hazley who could be a little bit of an up and down guy for them. Um, he can play all three spots. He's obviously underachieved his prospect status. I mean, he was a top 10 pick. Um, I remember covering that draft. I kind of, I kind of liked Hazley, but there were, there were some questions just that he hadn't hit that much with wood and he was really good his junior year at Virginia ended up going eighth overall, I believe to the Phillies and he's, you know, he's struggled. So, you know, I, they also, they designated Blake Rutherford for assignment in that move. So I kind of think, you know, the White Sox deemed McKinley more expendable. They thought that Adam Hazley was a better version of Blake Rutherford that had more years of control. And they kind of just did it that way. Remember that was, that trade was pre AJ Pollock. So, you know, Twitter that morning obviously was on fire because it's like, oh my God, they're going to, Adam Hazley's the right field move. Like he's starting. And that's not the case. They almost immediately sent him to Charlotte. So, you know, if they have injuries or AJ Pollock's out or whatever, we could see Adam Hazley in the big leagues this year. Um, but it's it's mostly roster depth with a little bit of upside at this point. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Blake Rutherford because he did clear waivers and he is currently in Charlotte with the White Sox still. So that's something of note. And you talk about McKinley Moore. I mean, it, it makes sense when you take a step back and it was a great point made by you that it did happen prior to the Pollock trade because yes I did see the outrage and understandably so because White Sox fans were chomping at the bit trying to see you know hey and even myself and and you included we felt like they were about a bat away outside of a starting pitcher to feel good about the offseason to to feel better about the way that they were set up the big league club was set up heading into 2022 so when you saw that move you're like well you figured that there was more on the horizon, and, th- and thankfully there was. McKinley Moore, like you said, right-handed hard thrower. White Sox have a lot of those guys in the system in terms of relief depth uh, and also relief depth in the, in the major leagues. So 
you, you trade from strength and you get something somewhat of need and it makes sense. The next move that I wanted to talk to you about is somewhat of a downer in my opinion, because you know, the high expectations, a top 10 pick in 2016, Zach Collins did not pan out with the White Sox. And there are various reasons as to why I, there was a lot of, man, remember those a couple of years ago, just no playing time for him. You wanted him to work at catcher. There was no room for him at first base at the big league club. You couldn't DH him at the big league club and you really couldn't catch him at the big league club because he had yes, Monty Grandall. And also at the time he was unfit to catch. He wasn't ready to catch. So the thing about Zach Collins was you wanted to see him get playing time and you wanted to see the playing time in Charlotte translate to the big leagues. And then when he did, he didn't play a lot and there was a lot of swing and miss in his game. And it was just time to move on. So they exchanged backup catchers with the Toronto Blue Jays and acquiring Reese McGuire. But I brought up the Zach Collins move because that 2016 draft class was something of note because now Zach Collins is out of the organization. He was the first round pick, number 10 overall. Zach Birdie, compensatory pick in, in the first round that year, gone. Alec Hansen, a second round pick, didn't pan out. He retired. And Alex Call, gone. That's your third-round pick. Jamison Fisher is your fourth-round pick. And Jimmy Lambert is your fifth-round pick. So shout-out to Jimmy Lambert, who's still chomping at the bit to make an impact at the big league club as a starter, which could very well be the case this season Have you know in terms of depth. But just right there, the 2016 White Sox draft class did not turn out how the organization wanted it to be. Yeah, it really hasn't panned out at all. And that, you know, it seemed like a pretty good draft class at the time. I remember, I mean, the birdie pick was always questionable because you're taking a definite reliever with a first round pick, which it just isn't really smart generally. Um, but the Alec Hansen pick was really exciting. I mean, that was a guy that was in the talk to go 1-1 the summer before. Um, and it just, you know, it just didn't pan out. You know, we'll see with... Zach Collins, what he if he becomes anything in Toronto, you know, I was a fan, obviously, of the just the plate patience and the on base ability and the power. He just he never hit enough. And, you know, he was just never going to get consistent enough playing time to hit enough because he can't catch well enough. You know, I, I mean, I do think, you know, he could be a third catcher for somebody. But the problem is he he just hasn't hit for enough power to be on the field at first. And he, he's definitely a strong side platoon type. I felt very confidently that he could produce against right-handers, but on a team like the White Sox, I mean, he's just, he's just never going to play. And even in Toronto, like he's probably not going to play either. So, you know, I, I thought if he was in Pittsburgh or Baltimore or somewhere, and he was getting the bulk of the at-bats against righties, catching sometimes playing first, playing DH, like he might be okay and his power might show um but yeah he's he's kind of in a tough spot and the White Sox just didn't really have any more time to waste I mean he had one more option which was smart the White Sox preserved his option last year and that's basically the reason I think why they were able to make this trade Reese McGuire was um out of favor in Toronto not for anything specifically it's just they, they have a loaded catching group and they have one of the top 10 prospects in baseball um, is, a, is a catcher for them. So, you know, that that's a really good trade, I think, for Rick Hahn and the White Sox. I mean, Reese McGuire is like exactly what the White Sox needed. He's not going to hit a ton, but he's a superb defensive catcher with really good framing ability, hits left-handed. 
um, it's it's what they wanted. It's th- he throws very very well. So um, that that's a that's a good move. The fact that they got anything significant for Zach Collins at this point, I think, is a big win overall. That draft class. The funny thing about it is, I th- I think obviously both of us I think are big believers in Romy Gonzalez and what he can do. Might be the best player they drafted in that uh, in that draft class in the 18th round out of Miami. That's a good point. And we're going to monitor Romy Gonzalez, who did not make the big league club. He starts the year in Charlotte. And, you know, that's a guy that you'll see at the majors this year. I can almost guarantee it. But let's stick to the catching position here, James, before we take our time out here on the Future Sox podcast, now part of the Sox Machine Network. Great to have you with us. Something that I'm really excited about is a catching prospect that uh, with high expectations that we can follow yet again outside of Zach Collins for so many years, and that's Adam Hackenberg. Hackenberg is highly touted across the White Sox organization. I know you've been in touch with those familiar with the player and they're big fans of Hackenberg. Can you just give us a little bit of a background on Hackenberg, who right now, I mean, this is pretty aggressive to have him start the season in Winston-Salem high A. Yeah, so I heard he was going to Winston. I heard really good things out of camp. Uh, Baseball America ranked him, I think, solely because the team is very high on him. Like, I talked to his signing scout, Kevin Burl, who's like the area scouting supervisor in Georgia and South Carolina, uh, following up on a piece that I'm writing on uh, Jason Billis that should come out later this week. And he brought he brought up Adam Hackenberg unprompted. I mean, they think that they stole a potential big league starting catcher in the 18th round out of Clemson last year. I will say, you know, he, he was drafted for plus defense, 6'2, 225. He has bloodlines. His brother's Christian Hackenberg, uh, the former NFL, you know, kind of bust out at quarterback, but played well at high level at college at Penn state. And then the, the third brother, I think is like a major league soccer player. So there are some bloodlines. He was injured a ton at Clemson. Um, I, he wasn't really on my radar, um, obviously. Um, and he only really flashed at the plate. So, you know, it was pretty interesting. Like it seemed like he was drafted for defense, but then in 86 plate appearances in Kannapolis last year, 346, 384, 457, um, K rate under 20%. I mean, that's a 130 WRC plus OPS 841. So, you know, we have him on our top 32, it's interesting. Very athletic behind the plate. Solid defense is the most important tool, but you know, his success with the bat will kind of determine, I think where he goes here. He hit two homers on opening night in Winston Salem. Um, he's there kind of with a group of star position players. Um, so, you know, he, he's going to get seen, I think, because Oscar Colas is there and Brian Ramos is there. So, you know, if people have already been flooding into, to, see Colas as we'll talk about I'm sure so he's he's gonna be on the radar and if he does what he did in Kannapolis and Winston I mean he'll be in Birmingham before too long and as a college guy you know catchers take a while but if he hits like he's he's already solid defensively so he's definitely a guy to watch he's definitely the best uh catching prospect in the system right now for sure boy it's something last year in Kannapolis spent most of his time there and in his draft year too like you said it was uh, our first instance of watching a 20-round draft class and picking at 18, I remember covering that draft with you, and it was notable to say, okay, 
Adam Hackenberg. And for him to have the success he did in limited amount of playing time in Kannapolis last year was encouraging. Now we see him at 22 years old playing in Winston-Salem, getting that assignment there, and so far holding up as a quality bat. And what we'll see and continue to watch his development as a as a catcher in the White Sox system that, of course, that you know we haven't really necessarily seen much of. No disrespect to others like Sebi Zavala, Carlos Perez, but here we are monitoring what could quite possibly be a starting catcher in the big leagues for the Chicago White Sox down the road. So that's what's fun about the Future Sox podcast as we bring up names like this. Hopefully that you're enjoying this conversation so far. James, I want to talk about the season because it's the first week. We're underway. Minor League Baseball is here. So let's talk about some of the highlights so far. Caden McClure is a guy that has been on a lot of people's radar for quite a while, and mainly because of his size. I mean, when you see 6'7", 220, that jumps out at you. But he doesn't necessarily throw hard. But also, really what it is in K. McClure's game is his command. Let's see him locate. And he made his debut in Charlotte, had four walks. And that's just one of the things in terms of the conversation we're having related to immediate depth to the White Sox. We're looking at Charlotte here first, James, and when it comes to immediate help, that's been my question related to the Charlotte Knights, and you know, we, we talk about, we'll get into this in our top 30 list, we talk about the White Sox being at the bottom of the barrel in terms of all 30 teams in their farm system, and it's difficult because we're evaluating a lot of young players in low minor leagues, so you know, there's a handful of prospects that we're excited about in Birmingham. But we are especially highlighting Winston-Salem and Kannapolis again this year because it's it's where a lot of the value is so far. That's just the reality of the situation. However, a big part of the reason why the White Sox system is struggling in terms of stature and credibility is because of the immediate depth that they have at AAA. And there's not a lot there, James. And I just want to get your take on that aspect of the needs of the White Sox and how it's relative to where the AAA Charlotte Knights stand. Yeah, so I mean, one of the issues is they just they haven't really developed a ton of pitching. Um, Jonathan Stever, Jimmy Lambert, both guys on the forty man roster. Lambert, for whatever reason, again, just seems like he's not completely ramped up. I think they said he had COVID or something. Like he's starting in Charlotte, but he's throwing three innings. Stever won't be back till mid season with the complete tear of his lat muscle. Um, so you know the guy you brought up, Cade McClure. I mean, the way the White Sox are going right now, like if Cade McClure started like Thursday for the White Sox, like I wouldn't be that surprised, honestly. I don't have any information that that's not one of these things where I'm dropping. I'm just like they soon here, they're going to need somebody probably from the minor leagues to come up and make a start. And, you know, they have plenty of roster space with plenty of guys that can be added to the 60 man injured list um, in Chicago. So uh, he's a guy to watch. I mean, he, him and Lambert are probably the two most likely guys in Charlotte that would get a look, I would think. Obviously, in the bullpen, you have Anderson Severino, who's on the 40-man. He throws very hard from the left side. Bennett Seuss is in the big leagues already, as well as uh, great story Tanner Banks. So those guys are in the majors now. There's really not a ton, though. There's not a ton of help. And on the position player side, obviously, we've already used Jake Berger. He's he's up with the big league team. Romy Gonzalez is in Charlotte, who we've talked about as well. And then Adam Hazley is there, too, just, you know, in case of an emergency, I would say. But, you know, that's probably your depth at Charlotte, barring something unforeseen. You know, you, you do have a, some guys there like Brandon Finnegan, who 
really struggled this spring and some other vets like that that have been in the big leagues before, you know, so you do have 4A type guys down there, guys that are just hanging on. But yeah, there's not a lot immediately. There is some, there are some interesting pitchers at Birmingham though that we can get into, and I don't know how long they'll be in Birmingham. Yeah, so let's get right to it. And something I just want to mention quickly about the Knights is you see acquisitions of free agent minor league players. I mean, that's that's what had to be done because of the lack of depth or, or drafted talent and developed talent at this point. The, the White Sox had to figure out a way to get quality players in AAA that could translate to the big league club, and they had to do that by acquiring free agents. And you see it on the roster. Just look it up. On charlottenights.com. Yeah, let's talk about Birmingham quickly. Yeah, so I mean, I, you know, quality, like we'll see, but I think three of these guys might be better ultimately than the guys that are in Charlotte. So uh, Saturday night, Johan Dominguez started for the White Sox. He had seven strikeouts. His, his stuff has really ticked up. He was at the Arizona Fall League, you know, two years straight. So I kind of found that interesting. I mean, they got him in, in a trade late, like, 2018 or 2019 with the Brewers um, for one of the relievers that they sent over there. And this guy has just gotten like better and better. So, you know, he's starter depth possibly for Charlotte um, at some point here soon. Davis Martin and Jason Billis were two college picks back in 2018. Um, Davis Martin out of Texas tech, I believe. And then Jason Billis, coastal Carolina Billis is a, is ranked in the top 30. I believe he's a top 20 prospect in the system right now. He was added to the 40 man this off season to protect him from rule five. So he's a guy that the white Sox really like. Um, he was sent back to Birmingham, which is a little bit curious. Um, but you know, he could be in Charlotte in short order too. He's, he's, uh, starting the day that we're recording here Sunday. So by the time this drops, well, I think we'll know the outcome of Jason Billis's first start. So yeah, th- those are just, you know, three arms that could make their way to Charlotte. Um, this The big league team obviously needs pitching depth, uh, whether they trade for it or they just cycle guys in from the minor leagues. And these are just like three more options to be added to your Cade McClure's and Jimmy Lambert's essentially. Something to monitor as well is the success of Yolbert Sanchez, top international signing, middle infielder, somebody with utility potential. He hasn't slowed down. I mean, he had a really good year in Winston. I mean, he hit. That was the most encouraging thing. And then he went up to Birmingham and didn't slow down. And this is a guy, James, that we can seriously have our expectations be met at some point, maybe late this year. We'll see him in Charlotte. I would think so. I, I don't really know, like, what the what the holdup is. Like, maybe he's only going to Birmingham for a little bit. And then on to Charlotte. I mean, the thing with Yolbert is he's like 25 years old because he was signed, you know, he was signed when he was like 22 or 23 already. And then he had to spend that season in the DSL. You know, he was billed as like a gold glove type, all glove guy, you know, that didn't really hit much, but he was, he was good last year, showed an advanced mature approach at the plate in his first uh, full season. I mean, he was okay in the Arizona fall league in 12 games. So, you know, he's played more second, I think, than shortstop. Um, but he's, you know, he's still a really good defender. And like you said, that like he made a lot of contact and hit last year. He started to hit so far in Birmingham. The, the profile is much better than what it seemed like they were getting and much more useful for, like, 
what the White Sox need. I mean, if this guy goes to Charlotte and kind of continues to do what he's doing, there's no reason he can't be like the Danny Mendick spot in the big leagues because he's 25. So he's not, it's not like he needs to be in Charlotte getting at bats for the future. Like you're trying to win a title. If this guy can help you as like utility depth or, you know, even like if he ends up being the second baseman or Josh Harrison gets hurt or somebody like this is useful depth um, signed for two and a half million out of Cuba a couple of years back. But, you know, things seem to be going well for him. Yeah, I've always been a fan of Yolbert and was intrigued immediately when they signed him in the international class because the fact that he could play shortstop. And if you're signing a shortstop, you know, conventional wisdom suggests that you can do uh, anything on the infield. But what was concerning to me was his bat because the scouting report suggested that he could field and he proved that he could field back in Cuba. And now we're seeing it translate a little bit. So credit to the White Sox scouting and development department and working with Yolbert's game and, and having him put bat to ball at a consistent rate. So that's really exciting to follow. Yolbert Sanchez in Birmingham. Hopefully we see him soon in Charlotte. But James, before we take our time out, Canapolis, West Cath, Colson Montgomery. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, <laughs> we, we talked a lot about Canapolis last year because of how terrible it was. Like, and look, we made the excuse that a lot of these guys didn't really belong there, and they didn't, but every team was dealing with this, and it was it was pretty awful. And we don't have to talk about it anymore because early on this season, it hasn't been awful. Canapolis is leading the Carolina League in, in offense so far. You know, you have some guys there like DJ Gladney and Chase Krogman and Missiel Gonzalez who are repeating the level, but the, it, it's been good so far because they look like they belong finally. Obviously, the guys that you mentioned in low A, uh, West Cath and Colson Montgomery, their first and second picks last year. Colson Montgomery had three walks in his second game and a hit. West Cath got his first hit finally. So, yeah, th- those guys are going to be interesting to follow down there. That team is just loaded with young guys in general that could – move up the prospect ranks. I mean, Wilfred Varis is there playing third base, first base. Wilbur Sanchez is a guy who the White Sox are extremely high of. They think can play shortstop really well, but Colson Montgomery is obviously going to get the time at shortstop there. So yeah, Canapolis is interesting to say the least. You know, I, I guess I would argue, you know, we kind of skipped over Winston. Winston's been the most interesting so far, but those two affiliates in A-ball definitely is where the the premium prospects lie right now for the White Sox. Right, that's for sure. And I like the way you brought up uh, the repeat players in Canapolis this year because that matters. You know, guys who are in their second stint professionally, you'll you'll see a jump noticeably. Uh, Just the quality of play. Maybe the stats won't translate, but just from a a pitch-to-pitch, inning-to-inning professional, um, they look better. And that is what you're looking for in this group because, boy, were they just not ready. I want to see Wes Kath hit. Uh, that's, I want to go there. I want to see him hit in person. Remember we talked to or I had the quotes from Mike Shirley about him. And, and it's funny because, like, you don't expect anybody to be Freddie Freeman. But even, like, I watched his single the other night. And he, right? he looks like Freddie Freeman. That's who I he, can't that's help a, but That's who that. he looks like at the plate. So, you know, hopefully he stays at third base and – has a good first season, but uh, yeah, West Cath, a lot of upside. When you look at the the point of contact, if you freeze frame 
as the ball is making contact and you look at his swing, try and find Freddie Freeman and see if it matches up because it's pretty identical, uh, which is exciting to see. Uh, we'll see how that translates. Well, first, let's take our time out. You're listening to the Future Sox podcast, part of the Sox Machine Network. Those who are not subscribed to Patreon, well, you got to listen to some ads. So to avoid that, sign up. Go to SoxMachine.com and sign up to our Patreon, and you'll get rewarded with extra content, exclusive content. There's a lot there. Uh, you don't have to hear it from me. Those who are already subscribed can vouch. But we'll take a time out, come back, talk about the top 30 list here on Future Sox and the Future Sox podcast. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Future Sox podcast. Thanks for sticking around. Mike Rankin here, James Fox alongside us. We're talking our 2022 preseason top 30 White Sox prospects list. How do you feel about it, James? Do you, do you feel better about the way that we ended it last year in August? So I think the way that we did the top 30 list made sense. Um, like we have Colson Montgomery up at number one, which I think makes sense. You know, we had Nori Vera two and Oscar Colas three, which I like. At this point, though, if you wanted to argue that Colas should be higher and possibly even one, I would be fine with that. We did not know how he was going to look. Um, we we did not have data from backfield games at the time. And I think since we've done this, like what, over the last six weeks or so, lots of people have been in to see Oscar Colas, and he, he's gotten some rave reviews to the point where I'm going to be pretty surprised if Oscar Colas isn't in the top 100 list at midseason. You know, Keith Law saw him playing backfield minor league games, thought he was very impressive, and then recently, Josh Norris of Baseball America got video of him. Ben Spanier of Baseball Perspectives saw him recently. They've all came away, you know, saying, yeah, he's he can hit. You know, he might be susceptible to some breaking stuff, but he's going to hit for big power, and I don't know how long he's going to be in Winston-Salem. All right, there you go. If he cracks the top 100, I mean, that suggests that he's going to be a top uh, prospect in the White Sox system, like number one overall. He will leapfrog Colson Montgomery, who's held that position over our two last lists, and Norhe Vera is at number two. And I don't want to pivot too quickly off Oscar Colas because I like what you're saying about the scouts who have seen Colas hit in BP, his plate appearances. It just seems like he will translate. And I don't think he's going to, like you said, I don't think he's going to be in Kannapolis very long. So as we continue, I mentioned Norhe Vera. Also want to shout out Yolaki Cespedes. Late returns from Yolaki last season was encouraging after a, a tough start. West Cath is five 
on our list. So there's your top five right there. If we recap it quickly, Colson Montgomery, Norhe Vera, Oscar Colas, Yolki Cespedes, and Wes Kath. So among them, James, you know, we're, we're talking about the future here. In, a, in an immediate sense, look, there's not much there. Again, that's been the theme. But Yoelki could play as like a fourth outfielder for you. He could fill in at center field if need be. The swing looks, at least his top half, looks eerily similar to his half-brother, Yoenis. So um, that's just something of note. But the one in the top ten that we are extremely excited about, I think unilaterally, is Jose Rodriguez. And let's add another one, Brian Ramos. Because you talked about Brian Ramos uh, on Twitter when he hit his home run that went apparently 650 feet. So these are those are a couple of guys that we like to pair together, Jose Rodriguez and, and Brian Ramos, a couple of infielders. Jose Rodriguez is in Birmingham, no? If I'm not mistaken, that's a guy that has exceeded expectations beyond even ours. Yeah, so Jose Rodriguez is the he's the shortstop in Birmingham. Cespedes is the center fielder. So, you know, that's interesting. And Yolbert, Yolbert Sanchez is there too. So Jose Rodriguez hasn't done a ton yet, but as of recording, it's only it's only been two games. So, you know, he definitely that's definitely where he belongs. He'll be a guy that we're watching. So obviously we you know, we talked briefly about Oscar Colas being the reason why some scouts have and you know, like media types like Josh Norris of Baseball America and those types, you know, have been in there, but they've been in there to see other teams too. They faced the Houston affiliate um, or the uh, Texas affiliate the other night. Owen White was pitching. So Owen White was really good um, and just battled injuries with Texas for the past couple of years. Like that's a premium pitching prospect. And, you know, Colas got two hits off of him, which is fine. Brian Ramos hit like an opposite field tank, like home run off of him. And, you know, the video I think can be seen on our Future Sox Twitter um, Brian Ramos has been very impressive so far. You know, he's playing third base, playing some second base, right-handed hitter. You know, he's going to play the entire season at age 20 at Winston-Salem. So he's still, he's one of the youngest prospects in the system. Um, Keith Law in one of his write-ups of the athletic had, had very, um, good things to say about Brian Ramos as well, just with, you know, premium bat speed. Basically one of the only concerns with him is, you know, if he ends up at first base, you know, he, he's really, really going to have to hit. But, you know, he's still just 20. He's one of the more exciting guys in the system right now. My guess is when we re-rank at midseason, if we do so, he's going to be higher than 10. So, you know, before we move on to some of the other names, the one the one other thing about Oscar Colas that I wasn't really expecting, Winston-Salem is playing him in center field. And okay. some of these people that have seen him said he's not bad. So, you know, that should just give you some, I guess, good feelings about whether or not he can actually stick in a corner. Because there were some thoughts, you know, people saw the bad body when he was in Japan, and it was like, this guy's a first baseman DH. But it seems like he can definitely play in an outfield corner for sure if he's playing center field in the uh, in the Sally League right now with uh, Winston-Salem. So that's just something to keep an eye on, how often they let him play center. Um, and then, you know, if whenever it is that he goes to Birmingham, if he continues to play center field or if they move him to a corner at some point. That's a great note, and it's important to recognize that, hey, now's the time to do it. Why restrict him to just a corner outfield spot when you can experiment in center field when, let's face it, not a lot of these 
games mean much outside of development. Here's something interesting, James. I know you have a note on this player, Jared Kelly. Jared Kelly did not break camp with a minor league affiliate. What do you have on the status of the right-handed pitching prospect? Yeah, so late in the week, I guess Friday, I had heard that he was he was still in Arizona ramping up. He's completely healthy coming off last year. Um, he just like wasn't ready, essentially, like a lot of these guys. So I would think, you know, like the 14th, 15th, 16th, something like that later this week, I think he makes his his debut. Um, he's repeating Canapolis to start, didn't pitch much last year. So he, you know, he's going to be very interesting to watch. I mean, we had him very highly ranked after he, you know, he took a $3 million bonus in the second round back in 2020. I mean, he got like top 25 pick money. Struggled with injuries last year. The the conditioning issues are, are well documented. We've talked about them. You know, posted a 760 ERA with 27 strikeouts and 26 walks and only 23 innings in Canapolis last year. So, you know, the stuff, some of the stuff is still premium, but he, he just, he has to command and he's got to get into some better shape and we'll see how that goes uh, to start this year. Yeah, it was a struggle for Kelly in, in Kannapolis last season. But again, first professional season. This is a guy drafted out of high school who was a part of the White Sox alternate site in 2020. That was his ramp up. And then they threw him into full season. It didn't work out to anybody's liking, quite frankly. But now we'll see how Jared Kelly translates once he's healthy. He's also, by the way, ranked number eight on our preseason top 22 list. Some pitching prospects that we want to keep in mind as well as Matthew Thompson and Andrew Dahlquist, both starting in Winston-Salem. That's a peg up from last season in their case. We love to pair them together. They just can't separate themselves from one another. Sean Burke, another highlight right-handed pitcher that I think you and I are in agreement here. He can move up quickly. He's ranked number 12 in the system. And when you move down the list, I mean, you see Mike Rodolfo. Obviously, we know the news. We're going to monitor that situation uh, as he was DFA'd. Uh, didn't break camp with the active roster on options. We know that story. Uh, as you scroll down, Jonathan Stever, 16. Yolbert Sanchez, we've talked a ton at 17. Jason Billis, 18. Tanner McDougal, right-handed high school draft pick who underwent Tommy John surgery at 19. Then you get to the bottom 10, James, in 20 through 30. And there's 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 just a bunch of guys that I think are interchangeable. And I don't mean that as a slight, but guys that – are unknown. And there's a handful, like Caleb Freeman is a guy who throws really hard and I think can translate as as a relief pitcher. You never know the trajectory of those types of players. But we'll see how this thing develops as guys can be ranked number 20 or they can be ranked number 30 in this list. I feel like there's a lot of players in this mix, James, that um, are just right around each other in terms of their value at the White Sox right now. Yeah. I mean, I would say 21 through 30 was really hard. I mean, one of the things we've talked about and people have said, like they have the 30th rank system, you know, people always make it a point to throw out there that they're there for the right reasons. Right. And whether that's true or not, like, you know, we'll see, you know, I think the system could take a step if some of these young guys really perform, you know, and we'll see. I mean, the, this bottom part of the list though, is the reason why the system is ranked 30 because it's just, there's so many unknowns. Like you got Christian Mayno, we ranked at 20, you know, he, he pitched, he threw 48 innings in Arizona last year. Wasn't very good, but he's super young. I mean, he's 18 years old. He's, he's in Kannapolis. He should get a start at some point this week down in Kannapolis. 
You know, uh, Wilfred Varis had a big year in Arizona as an 18 year old as well, the 950 OPS and a, you know, walked at like a 12% clip and hit four or five homers in Arizona as well. He's down there. Luis Mieses is a 21 year old Dominican outfielder. Um, that's also in Winston Salem who, you know, really broke out to close off the year last year. So that's a guy to follow. Misael Gonzalez was a 12th round pick out of Puerto Rico a couple years back who, really, really uh, broke out in the Arizona League last year and then went to Kannapolis and struggled, and now he's back in Kannapolis and he's got four or five hits already on the young season. So, you know, if any of these guys take a step, you know, the the system could improve um, in a big way, like in addition to some of the top guys that we've already talked about, like your Colossus and Veras and Montgomery's, you know, plus you're going to add more players in July in the 2022 uh, baseball draft. And shout out to Bennett Souza as well, making his major league debut, developed exclusively within the White Sox system. Did I see this right? He signed for $10,000 in the 10th round in his draft year. Yeah, so Bennett Souza was a senior reliever at Virginia. And that's just kind of, you know, those guys don't really have much leverage. The White Sox signed him for 10K. Like, we've talked about this on podcasts. That they, they've done a good job with guys like this, whether they've come up and help them or whether they've traded them. You had the guy, the uh, Avery Weems, you know, was, mm-hmm. was a guy like this who was a six rounder out of Arizona. He was a $10,000 signing. He was the second piece in the Lance Lynn trade. You know, like last year, the White Sox traded your guy, Bailey Horn, who was, you know, a little bit more money, but was similar to this for something they needed at the deadline. Bennett Sousa just, you know, he's one of these guys who really used 2020 to his advantage he was at the alternate site working with coaches. You know, you get a chance to work on pitches and you don't really get a chance to do that over the course of a minor league season, right? And, you know, he had time to tinker and he was able to do it. And look, I mean, the biggest thing is for anybody that's seen him pitch so far in the big leagues, I mean, the fastball is 97 and the slider's really good. So, you know, it kind of snuck up on me a little bit just because, you know, as a relief only southpaw, like I, I, I typically don't rank those guys, like unless they profile as setup men or closers. I know Jason Lowenthal, who's a uh, contributor for us, he was big on Bennett Susan, really, really pushed for him. You know, I mean, he had a 13 and a half, 13 and a half Ks per nine last year um, between double A and triple A. And, you know, our write up says has been nothing but reliable out of the bullpen. And I mean, he's on the big league team. They, you know, they, right. they added him to the 40 man along with Jason Billis. You know, it wasn't totally surprising that they added him, but it was like, okay, so this is the guy who they think is their top lefty. And like, there's no reason to not trust them. He's uh, he's held his own so far, and he's going to be in the big leagues until he gives them reason to not have him in the big leagues. So, you know, that's a it's a it's a pretty good uh, underrated story as a tenth round, ten thousand dollars signing in 2018. Right. Yeah, you talk about just the the way that things played out this off season. The 28-man roster helps you know, across the first month after the shortened spring training, but Crochet goes down, and we figure that Souza would make the roster regardless. But also Tanner Banks, 30-year-old, making the club. I mean, that's a guy that you love to root for. A journeyman minor leaguer who's just grinding his way across you know, multiple seasons in, in, the, in the minors, and he finally gets his shot with the organization. You know, I did a piece on him, and I felt like it was like 10 years ago 
Yeah. And it was 2017. You know, he was he was good, like in the minors. But he look, he didn't really look like a future big league piece. He, he you know, the story was interesting. I wrote about him just because he was he was pitching so well. He was drafted late out of Utah. Um, but the thing I wanted to mention is he was found by longtime Sox West Coast scout John Kazanis, and you know that's the guy that that drafted and followed Mark Burley. Um, and look, not that Tanner Banks is Mark Burley, but you know, John has, he's found lefties before. So the, the interesting thing about Tanner Banks is, I mean, he's 30 obviously, which is -hmm. always fun, but I mean, he's throwing 94. I mean, he was always kind of like a soft tossing lefty starter, like number five type guy, like at max, you know, and now we'll see how the White Sox use him. But he looked really good this spring. The stuff obviously ticked up. I mean, you talk about the expanded roster and how it gives guys a shot. Like, he's up because of that expanded roster and because of injuries. But, I mean, now it's up to him. Like, if he pitches well in the big leagues, like, he's a big, he's going to be a big leaguer, you know. I mean, get people out and you're going to be in the league. So, shout out there to John Kazanis, who, who's been a good dude for a long time. Another guy. Just really quickly before we before we end, he drafted Gil Luna last year too. Little lefty out of Arizona, who you know some other people have told us about. He was stellar. Um, didn't give up a run last year at all. Um, he he's a lefty in the bullpen at Winston Salem, who Baseball America ranked in their top thirty. That's a guy we're going to have to keep an eye on. Could be in Birmingham soon, and could be you know the next one of John Kazanis's bullpen guys that makes the major leagues in a year and a half or so that's james fox i'm mike rankin thanks so much for hanging with us on the debut episode of the future Sox podcast attached to the Sox machine network we are now a part of Sox machine and couldn't be more excited this was a lot of fun hopefully you stick with us subscribe to our podcast and follow along as we cover the organization to help you get more informed on what the organization is trying to do with their strategy i mean this is where the foundation occurs right if you want to build a world series club you can buy everybody but How feasible is that? We're not going to see that here. This is where it all begins. And it's a great time to start. I can't stress that enough. And we talk, we kind of, we're down on the, on the organization's top 30 right now, or the farm system overall right now, but that'll change. We're excited about a handful of these names that we've been covering for a couple of seasons now, but this is pretty much a reset for the organization's minor league system after graduating a ton of top prospects. So follow along with us across our journey. This is how successful major league organizations operate with a healthy farm system. And we're here for you again for James Fox. My name is Mike Rankin. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the future Sox podcast. We'll talk to you all next time.